next on a special race day edition of In Focus. We're riding around IMS with track president Doug Bowles. Plus, we'll show you how the vice president is getting ready for the 500. And one year since the school shooting in Noblesville. Why one group of parents is disappointed with Indiana lawmakers. Plus, we'll hear from South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg on the debate over abortion rights and the question of impeachment. After another wild week in Washington, it's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Speaker. Good morning. It is race day. So before we get to some of this week's top stories in politics, we're getting you ready for the Indianapolis 500. Track officials say they're ready for just about any weather scenario they have to deal with today. Even if it's raining, our plans, we will focus on running the Indianapolis 500 at its scheduled time. We will do some of the pre-race, depending on how the weather is, just in cadence with the pre-race, even if we have to have a break between... Uh, the presentation of colors usually is where we try and get to in the, in the moment in which we actually uh, start the race. Um, a, lot of, a lot of factors go into it, and, and it's hard for us to speculate on what's going to happen. We'll, we'll monitor it, and we'll try and keep folks updated. Okay, so rain or shine, many things at the Speedway mm-hmm. have changed here in recent years. Our Bob Donaldson joins us today. You recently took a ride with I did. Doug Bowles, the man behind a lot of these changes. Dan, we all remember when there was only one race at the Speedway every year, right? The 500. Well, now we have the Brickyard 400, the Grand Prix, a concert in the Snake Pit. IMS President Doug Bowles has been leading the charge into the Speedway's modern era. If you listen closely, you can hear the echoes in the grandstands. Elio Castro-Nevis has won the Indianapolis 500. Even when the track's empty, you can still see the images in your mind's eye of the greatest spectacle in racing. But if you're really lucky, you don't have to watch or listen very hard at all. I still can't believe I work at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, let alone in the position where I am today. Doug Bowles provided a view of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It is a magical place. Rarely seen by anyone but the greatest drivers in the world. We're on the same spot that Chevrolet Brothers and Ray Haroon and Wilbur Shaw and all of our historic legends drove. Doug's an experienced race car driver himself, but on this day, he's running hot laps as the Speedway president in this year's Pace Car, a 2019 Corvette Grand Sport one of the perks of the job. In fact, there have been times I've come out at the end of the day and done conference calls out here because the way these cars are set up, you just you can put the phone on the Apple CarPlay and the speakerphone and, and you just have this great opportunity just to sort of drive and stare off in space and have a kind of conversation like we're doing now. So it is one of the best perks of the day. Just like the fans he calls customers, Bo's relationship with the Speedway goes back to his childhood. His first race was 1977. AJ has done it. And even before that, he was creating his own field of drivers on his parents' kitchen table back in Danville. Dad and I would sit in the kitchen and get three by five cards out, and you would get the newspaper in the morning, and you write down the names of all the drivers based on the when they were going to qualify. You know, get the list of the qualifying lineup, and then we would write down their lap times and then the average speed, and we would create our own little field on the kitchen table, and we move folks around. No one respects the track's traditions more than Doug Bowles, but arguably, no one has created as many new traditions either. 
From EDM in the snake pit Simon to a Grand Prix in May, Bowles has tried to balance the old with the new. The 300,000 people that show up here on race day believe they own part of it. That's how emotional they are about the experience. So you have the benefit of people that emotional that believe it's theirs, but also the struggle of it's a private business and you have to figure out how to make sure it survives through the next generations. And sometimes that means making changes. One thing that will never change, the Speedway is about going fast. I wondered how long it would take you. He's not gonna keep up on this lap, but. No, I don't think he is. You're a no kidding race car driver. But for me, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool for me too. <laughs> In a city where we worry about potholes, just how smooth, how this thing just comes through winter so well every year. It's 100 miles an hour through a corner, it doesn't feel like anything, right? Not a thing. And ultimately, there's only one place to learn about this track, and that's in the driver's seat. I feel like I'm getting the keys to the car from my dad. So any tips before I start? Don't bend the car? Yeah, that's, that's usually a good tip. When you're in control of it, it's, it is a completely different perspective. And that's one of the magical things about this facility. It's, the track doesn't change, but depending on where you sit or how you're driving or how you're experiencing it, it is a completely different experience every time. You should do one more lap and you should come out of turn four and you should put your foot on the floor. Okay. Cross the yard of bricks at some nice pace. <laughs> Gotta hit triple digits. Triple digits. There you go. <laughs> that is awesome. Even going 100 miles an hour doesn't feel like 100 miles an hour. And that's maybe a little bit of that phenomenon that the drivers will tell you. I never thought I would drive up to the Pagoda. It's a rough day when you have to do that, sorry. <laughs> it's amazing. It's just amazing. What a ride. Yeah, our thanks to Doug Bowles. That was a thrill of a lifetime. Uh, but, Dan, you can expect even more changes at the Speedway, fueled at least in part through the state's tax package, tax package uh, with the Speedway. Just another example of changes at 16th and Georgetown. A lot of changes through the years. Yeah. Still a lot of tradition as well. Now, if you tune over to Fox 59 later this morning, you'll see Bob and I live out at the track as we get you ready for this year's Indy 500. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks We're so much. We're looking forward to it. Can't wait. All right, speaking of the Indy 500, this past week, Vice President Pence and his wife made a surprise appearance at the Indy 500 preview party put on by the Indiana Society of Washington. The VP saying, quote, our hearts will be at the Speedway. He has attended the race many times in the past. Well, changing gears now, this holiday weekend also marks one year since the school shooting in Noblesville. Thankfully, everyone survived, thanks to the heroic actions of teacher Jason Seaman. But for some parents, the fear from that day is hard to forget amidst the ongoing debate over guns and school safety. Alexa Green has more. Stand by active shooter, Noblesville schools, active shooter, Noblesville schools. It's the people that weren't affected by it is that as time goes on, it, it becomes less raw to them. But for these Noblesville parents, their feelings are just as raw as they were nearly one year ago. It, it's become the norm, unfortunately, and we have to do something now. We just can't sit back anymore. According to district officials, since May 25th, 2018, they have doubled the number of school resource officers. A new safety director was hired and new and improved safety equipment and procedures are in place. But school officials say they're not done yet. They're currently researching classroom barricading products and are looking into mental health screening tools 
for teachers and counselors. I think that they did everything that we were supposed to do because we never thought it would happen here. These parents say that's just one part of the equation. In the months following the shooting, they turned to lawmakers to push for change. The governor signed a wide-ranging school safety bill this month, but parents say they were disappointed. All mental health references were taken out just days before the end of session. It's frustrating because sometimes when you gain, gain hope for, for that opportunity, um, you realize that the legislative process can go backwards. What I would like to see more is gun detection dogs. That is one thing that they are working towards. I believe that would also help enhance our safety that we have at Noblesville. And they say this anniversary is just a reminder of how much more needs to be done to protect and prevent. It's not just about Noblesville West, but it's about Noblesville, our county, and in turn our entire community. And that was Alexa Green reporting. Now, recently, our Haley Bull spoke with more concerned Noblesville parents after the end of the legislative session and also with a state lawmaker who's been pushing in the other direction for more gun rights in the Hoosier State. These three parents are linked by something they don't want anyone else to go through. I don't know how much longer we can continue to watch these things and it becomes normalized. Their kids were inside Noblesville West Middle School during a shooting last May. They formed Noblesville Stands Together to push for changes on mental health, school security and responsible gun ownership. More than anything else, I'm angry and disappointed in our legislature. But after this session at the State House, my feelings are shocked. They say they're disappointed. They acknowledge measures were taken to physically secure schools. We need to start thinking about how do we keep somebody from becoming dangerous? How do we keep that person from getting a gun? But wanted lawmakers to do more to tackle mental health, children's access to a firearm, and background checks. There were a lot of great mental health bills that were introduced by various legislators. However, it seemed that you know, the 11th hour, those bills were blocked. We recommended a universal background check bill, which we could not even get anyone to author. Adding more guns to the equation can't help the problem. I, it, it's lunacy to think that it does. Some legislation was passed regarding firearms and other attempts were made at lawmakers' own solutions. Representative Jim Lucas authored a bill on firearm training for teachers he plans to bring up again next year. These laws that people keep wanting to add to and add to and add to, the only thing they're doing, they're making it more difficult for the law-abiding, innocent, responsible person to be able to protect themselves and their loved ones or others against people that have no regard for life or law. But the lives at this school on that day in May, you redouble your efforts, are ones keeping these parents determined to keep fighting for the changes they want to see. The one thing that's become clear to me is we had two very violent incidents at schools in Indiana, and that did not fundamentally change the trajectory of this conversation. And that was Haley Bull reporting from Noblesville. Up next this Sunday in Focus, protesters here in Indiana and across the country speaking out on some controversial legislation dealing with abortion rights. You'll see how that message was also brought to IMS this week. And fresh off his Fox News town hall, hear what Mayor Pete Buttigieg is saying about the abortion debate and the question of impeachment. Stick around. We'll be right back. The debate over abortion rights was even part of the conversation at IMS this past week as two of the driver's fiancés wore these shirts to qualifying, saying, not your body, not your choice. Simon Pagino's fiancé, Haley McDermott, telling the Indy Star she's normally pretty quiet, but, quote, today I wasn't. 
Well, this week we also saw hundreds of protesters at the Indiana State House speaking out on controversial legislation in Alabama and Missouri, but also a measure here in the Hoosier State that was just signed into law by Governor Holcomb. Melissa Crash has more. Show up, speak out, and implore our legislators to stop the bans. This group of protesters are part of the hundreds of reproductive health advocates voicing opposition to abortion bans across the country. They need to stop passing extreme legislation. Planned Parenthood, the ACLU of Indiana, along with several others, says the bans will bring a direct challenge to Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court that would make abortion inaccessible. It's not going to stop the need. Um, for abortion. People are still going to get abortions and unfortunately people will die as a result. What's concerning to this group of protesters is the recently passed abortion restrictions in the Hoosier state. This year, Governor Eric Holcomb signed House Bills 1211 and 1201. 1211 talks about making a certain abortion technique in the second trimester illegal. 1201 provides exemptions for physicians, assistants, and pharmacists if they don't want to provide abortions based on personal ethics. The bills that I have signed have been out of my own conscience and uh, value for the sanctity of life. And I'll continue to evaluate each bill on that premise, regardless of any um, lawsuit threat. Just last week, Alabama enacted the strictest abortion law in the country. It would make abortion illegal in nearly all cases, including rape and incest. In Georgia, lawmakers enacted a so-called heartbeat law, meaning abortions are illegal once a heartbeat is detected. Other states like Mississippi, Ohio, Missouri, and Louisiana are following suit. Simone Bailey shared her story of her abortion to the crowd, hoping her voice will make a difference. This is happening, and we have to do something about it. At the State House, Melissa Crash, CBS 4 News. Now, as Melissa mentioned there, you see a number of states, several of them have taken up abortion this legislative session. Six states here have already passed or are considering a ban on abortions after six weeks. Now, according to a new CBS News poll, a majority of Americans do not want Roe v. Wade overturned. It is the topic that uh, brought presidential candidates like South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg to a rally this week in Washington, D.C., where he was asked both about abortion and about the question of impeachment. Look, I come from Indiana. I understand that people come at this issue differently. But at the end of the day, I believe that the right person to make this decision uh, is the woman who is facing that choice in her life. My job as a candidate for 2020 is to replace this president the old-fashioned way, which is by beating him at the ballot box. And if Congress moves in another direction, uh, that's certainly a, a healthy thing for them to be exercising their oversight role to make sure that nobody is above the law. But since I don't have any control over that process, I'm focusing on the part that we candidates can do something about, which is make sure that we get a better president in 2020 election. All right, let's bring in our panel right now. Dr. Laura Wilson is a political science professor at the University of Indianapolis and Adam Wren, a contributing editor for Politico and Indianapolis Monthly and author of the Importantville newsletter on Indiana politics. Two big issues there that the mayor and other Democratic candidates addressed this week. Uh, the question of impeachment and also this new abortion debate. The mayor was there at that rally in D.C. this past week in the midst of 
this discussion across the country. Yeah, I mean, this is classic Indiana, Dan. You see us being a very conservative state. However, uh, we, we don't like extremes, and so we haven't gone the way of, like, in Alabama. I mean, every year for the last few years, there's been a bill to ban abortion in the state house, uh, but it's, it's not received a, a consequential hearing yet. And no doubt this is the kind of question that even though this is happening at the state level, a lot of presidential candidates, a lot of uh, representatives and senators in Congress are being asked about as well. Absolutely, because it's strategic. The states know they can take advantage of creating these laws, and they're hoping to, to challenge Roe versus Wade. They know they have a 5-4 Supreme Court, and with Kennedy's retirement and the replacement with Kavanaugh, um, Kennedy was someone who's always kind of that... that the swing vote. He yeah. was, and he would go with the liberals. So they see this as an opportunity, and that's where I think a lot of states, um, Indiana not being one of them, but many states are trying to provoke a challenge to that decision. Well, what about uh, the Democratic candidates and the Democrats uh, on this question of impeachment this past week and this latest back and forth over how to handle this? More Democrats saying it's time to start an inquiry, even one Republican saying that this past week as well. More presidential candidates saying it's time. You heard Mayor Buttigieg there uh, saying leave it to Congress amidst really another wild back and forth this week in Washington. Yeah, it's been interesting to watch Buttigieg walk kind of a fine line where um, he said that, yes, the, the president deserves impe impeachment, but at the same time, he's focused uh, on defeating him at the ballot box. So he hasn't gone quite as far as, as other people, uh, kind of leaving it to people in the House to make that decision. In the meantime, in some of the polls, he has now uh, slipped back to fifth in one recent poll. You have Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren, both on the rise, but really former Vice President Biden uh, at the top of the list in a lot of those polls. He has. He's taken up a lot of space. And fifth it's still pretty good when you consider how many candidates there are, but of course we're talking small slivers and margins. I think this is a challenging time in some ways for Buttigieg because as a moderate candidate and someone that we're still learning what his policies are, uh, people don't necessarily know as much about him. Someone like Biden who's been in office for so long, people know where he stands on certain issues and they know what he, he supports and he doesn't. All right, so how do Democrats approach all of these controversies? Uh, heading into 2020, Mayor Buttigieg was asked about that in last weekend's Fox News Town Hall, and we also heard from another presidential candidate here in the Hoosier State last weekend. How would you handle the insults and the attacks and the tweets and all of that? The tweets are, I don't care. <laughs> what I'm hearing uh, across the country, I'm, I'm hearing here, which is they want a candidate who's going to make their kids, uh, ensure their kids are safe uh, in their schools, you know, going to reduce health care costs, uh, but also restore, you know, our democracy's uh, standing. That was California Congressman Eric Swalwell there in Columbus last weekend. Meantime, President Trump this week saying he won't work with Democrats on any legislation unless they give up their investigations in Congress. You can't do it under these circumstances. So get these phony investigations over with. All right, so how does all of this set up for the next few months here leading into 2020? Well, it seems like it's going to be a divisive uh, few months here. Um, you know, the culture wars with issues like abortion are as hot as they've ever been. And you could really kind of see that uh, set up at the NRA convention in Indianapolis last month. Uh, that's a, what a lot of uh, Democrats were talking about. Um, and re Republicans uh, really want to make this about the culture wars. They really want to make uh, this election about abortion, which is fascinating given that they are really uh, leading with one of the best economies that we've, we've seen in, you know, several decades. Significant what we saw this past week at the White House with the president uh, walking out of that meeting, 
Democrats uh, saying, look, uh, he, he could be uh, perhaps under investigation, or uh, what do you make of all of this? Political stagecraft, or was this something significant that we saw? Uh, probably more political stagecraft than anything else, but it, it does play into the larger significant roles. Uh, this question about infrastructure, something that if we can agree on how to spend it, that should be reasonably something Democrats and Republicans can come together. But if we if we can't get to the table, if the president and the leaders of Congress can't do that, then nothing happens. I, I think, again, with the, the idea of the culture wars, there's a lot going on politically right now, and it just seems to become more polarized, more divisive. And if, in yeah. the end, nothing's getting done. All right, quickly, a winner and loser for the week. Adam, I'll, I'll start with you. Uh, my winner is uh, the city of Indianapolis, which has had a great May uh, with the uh, Indy 500 coming up. My loser are uh, Hoosiers who want to watch the race on Sunday uh, today. Wait and wait we'll Sunday night. Have, yep. to, uh, have to wait till Sunday night. I was going to say, my winner is whoever wins the Indy 500. It's a great <laughs> Memorial Day weekend. All right. Hope you guys both have a great Memorial Day. Thank you so much for being here. Up next, it is a Memorial Day weekend tradition here in Indianapolis, the 500 Festival Memorial Service. And we'll take you there right after the break. Another big part of Memorial Day weekend here in Indy, the 500 Festival Memorial Service on Friday, where we heard from both Mayor Joe Hogsett and Governor Eric Holcomb, who reflected on another upcoming occasion worth remembering. Days before June 6th, the 75th anniversary of D-Day. Earlier this year, I had the opportunity to join some of our fellow Hoosiers and visit the landing sites, plural, and lay a wreath on behalf of all Hoosiers at the Normandy American Cemetery. It really brings home what another Hoosier said, Ernie Pyle, when he wrote after those landings, he said, and I quote, it seems a pure miracle we took the beach at all. We, in our own life, must strive to emulate the integrity, the honor, the dignity of our servicemen and women. For in that way, we help make our city, our state, and our nation worthy of their sacrifice. Mayor Hogsett speaking there at the memorial service on Friday. Meantime, the president and first lady made a surprise visit to Arlington National Cemetery Thursday to pay their respects to fallen American troops. They are overseas for this Memorial Day. The rest of our panel is back again next week. We'll see you then.